ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the SAP, the Sex Actually podcast. As always, it is your host, Dave Neal, with Tasha Courtney, your other host. <laughs> Tasha's looking feisty today. She's ready to go. I'm looking feisty. You're getting She's on the last day. ready. To, well, here's the deal, I folks. I was just like, oh, how exciting. <laughs> We're doing a podcast indoors for the first time in months because it's just the two of us. <laughs> And here you come with your asshole energy. Asshole energy. It's my asshole energy. Why do you want to treat me this way? I didn't even know what song no, I was pressing. Treat me this way. I just hit a random song on the on the roadcaster there, but it kind of works. It kind of fits in. Who made this for us? This song? Yeah. No, and this is just like a YouTube free oh. free audio. Anyway, folks, we are here in the studio of the Sex Actually podcast, our kitchen. We've been podcasting for two months upstairs on the roof with guests. We did one podcast in a pergola. What is that called? A, per- a, per- a pergola? Pergola? Rotunda? What was that? No. We did uh, a podcast in, uh, I, think I, you know, I think I got bit by like 17 mosquitoes. We had... Uh, a whole audience watching us that was at the campsite next door. And uh, we're finally back where it all began. Well, not exactly, but we are here in the kitchen. And I wanted to let all of our new listeners know what's going on because, you know, not to not to pat my back or anybody's, but uh, your boy's getting a lot of new subscribers on YouTube. Yeah, you are. And a I lot just, of love. I want them to know what a podcast is. So for all of our audio listeners, they already know we're going to bullshit for an hour, have a good time. For our YouTubers who are watching, uh, this is a open air conversation Tasha and I have every week for the last six years where we talk about all things sex, dating, relationships, pop culture, whatever's on our mind, and we're going to run through all of that today. But that's what we're all about. Uh, this is about us having a conversation. It's not It's not about us looking at the camera and being all weird like that. There's. I saw that these podcasters, they're new, and I don't want to, I really want to say their names, but I'm not because they're big on YouTube. And after everything they say, they look to the camera afterwards. I'm doing it right now. It is the most freaky. This is the only time you're ever going to see me I'm do gonna this. I'm going to look at the camera the whole show today. They'll like say something and then look I'm at the... I'm looking into the soul it, of this canon over here. It ruins me to watch them be successful, making a ton of money, and watching them do these like these uh, podcast faux pas. <laughs> That's one thing if you're like going straight to camera just by yourself, talking to the camera, talking to your audience. But it's another thing when you look like you're in like, you know, Steve Urkel from Family Time. What's it like, Family Matters? He's like, did I do that? And he's looking at the camera. The camera zooms in on his face. We don't need that. Yeah, it's weird. If, how do you have a real conversation if you're not looking at the person you're talking to? Yeah, and we're here just to have real convos. And speaking of real convos, Tasha Marie... The Patriots kick off in about 55 minutes. That's why we were in a rush. So this I realized why we were in a rush. Asshole energy is just your boy living in California during a pandemic, having no social interaction with anyone, and then my Patriots get to play your for once. one thing you get to look forward to. That's it. And I know they're going to lose, but it's all right. It's going to be a good game. Who, who cares? But anyway, so... Uh, not not to not to put the podcast secondary to that, but if I can hit the red button a little earlier, I mean, Tasha's, you know, you're in there. You tried your best. You you put your hair up in uh, what's what's that? What, what do you call that? Uh, a braid. French, French braids. Yeah. You, you do that when it's still wet. Yeah, That's like it's a way still to hide damp. It. Yeah. yeah. 
You put it doesn't on, look so bad. You put on your Sunday uh, undies. <laughs> no sex appeal on those undies. <laughs> just What's wrong with these Victorian underwear? Victorian era. You could cut those up and have them just be like placemats for like a queen's dinner. <laughs> you must have a, something against lace. This is TMI for our audience and our listeners. But what do you have against lace? Pull them up. I bought Pull these them up. from, what do we got? These are from Victoria's Secret like two years ago. Yank them high. New. Get the YouTubers up no, there. Subscribe. I'm not showing my underwear. I don't YouTube. know. I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm like a... Uh, I don't everyone's stuck in like a like men I think are always stuck in a certain like part of their past and for me I'm stuck in like the uh the the bikini you know jockey sort of brand panties so you like target underwear yeah <laughs> maybe it's from you know jcp uh with jc penny catalogs when I was first learning how to jerk off back in the day like uh, high cut briefs love a high cut brief <laughs> i just uh, yeah unitard uh one piece whatever you got i like uh this is what i've learned to like i don't like a string with the v in the front what, what kind of panty is that what's that called a g-string G- i don't like a g-string I like a, I like a, I don't mind a thong, but I like a little bit of uh, fabric on the hip. Okay. You know what I mean? So you just, you don't like the kind where it's just the band, the elastic band. No, I don't like that. I don't like uh, the doily thing. (laughs) Lace. Lace. I don't like nude underwear like that. um, What's that? What's that called that you wear? to work nude underwear is it just called nude underwear see i don't like seamless underwear well i wear those every day i want i want to know there's panties that have some texture i want thick panty (laughs) that's all i ask for is this too much i I want thick panty you should buy me some of your ideal panties so that we a so that i can just get a present and b then we can show it to our audience your what you're talking about because my imagination is really is thinking of some granny panties right now. I'm having a hard time. No, there's nothing granny about the bikini, st- but the bikini cut that I'm talking about. And I, I know we've talked about this before, where I described uh, my third grade substitute who bent over and I saw a thong for the first time, and I was like, "What's that?" Because <laughs> up until then, I was I was the uh, you know you know grew up with a single mom, so I was I was the one who had to do like the laundry for the house. We all had to pitch in. So I was like an eight year old. I saw what a a grown lady's undies looked like, and it wasn't that uh, you know um, substitute teacher who was probably like 21 years old at the time, but to an eight year old, that was an old lady. And I was like, wow, <laughs> those are butt cheeks pressed against that pencil skirt. <laughs> anyway, folks, this is it. This is what you expect. This is what you get. Um, I don't know. What was your first pair of undies that was sexy? I know your mom probably didn't okay. let you buy anything that wasn't you want to uh, hear some funny biker stories? shorts. Yeah, my mom only bought me the kind of underwear that you're describing that came in like a five pack from Target. Rolled up, just ready to go. Yeah, like the fruit of the loom, like in a package. And um, I remember I was really excited when I got ones that just had the elastic and didn't have any fabric on the side. So it's like it was like so flat, straight on the bottom and then like fabric. a and then like a you know, the top would be like look like a like an wa- a wavy. No. No, just straight elastic. Yeah, like, like a half inch. Yeah, exactly. Okay. What, uh, what age are we talking here? I don't know, middle school. I mean, I like around the time when whale tail started poking out the back of jeans, and that was like a thing. You know, it was kind of like, hey, check out these sexy. That was like I the Gwen Stefani kind of. Uh, she she kind of set the pace there in the nineties. No oh, really? Doubt. Yeah, I think she would have the. The high, uh, yeah, you'd wear, you'd wear like the handlebars, your thong, your, yeah, your straps up would be above your the jeans. Up, and your jeans would be so low because it's, you know, low Britney Spears, 
mean, she still wears low-cut jeans, and boy, those don't age well. I loved them growing up, but yeah. I don't know, mom jeans? I Yeah, I would not be, ex- like, I didn't really, when mom jeans first came about, I was like, really, this is what we're doing? But now I'm so into them. And if we go back to low-cut jeans, I mean, we're just all going to have to really hit a diet hard. Yeah, mom like, jeans I'm, hide the lower belly. Yeah, I'm not, like, very body conscious about my stomach, but I could, I don't, I would not want to try and pull off a low cut jean. Those aren't, you, you, well, you don't, you have, you have a couple mom cut, but they're not like, you know, they're they're stylish. They're that thick, non-stretched denim. So you had low cut jeans with your first whale tail. Well, I wasn't allowed to wear thongs. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't allowed to shave my well, the, legs. The I devil wasn't slingshot. To, yeah, I wasn't allowed to wear makeup and I wasn't allowed to wear thongs. But I would go to the store with my friend or like go to the mall well, what with a, my What friend. age was this restriction? What age did you know you couldn't buy that? Uh, middle school and high school. I don't know. I so mean, like what age, if we had a daughter, would you let her wear? The, the kind old, of underwear she wants to yeah. wear? I think probably I would just let her get what she wanted, but within reason. Like nothing like too sexy like mesh or whatever but maybe i would let her buy like a cotton thong you know just like a a plain sort of something yeah because if you don't let them get it they're just gonna go behind your back which is exactly what i did i went to whatever like the hot topic or whatever stupid store in the mall it wasn't hot topic i'm trying to think of actually the name like wet limited oh wet seal yeah did wet seal have underwear i don't remember but sure what do i know i don't know either forever 21 Places that sold underwear where they had them out in the bins and you could buy like five for $20. Did you steal them? Absolutely not. I bet you a lot of women growing up stole underwear. Maybe. Because if you didn't have the money or whatever, you needed to, you know, yeah, it's easy to steal. Yeah. So what, so when, so when would you, when did you officially uh, break out? But I had to hide because my mom would come into my room and steal from my underwear drawer my like sexy underwear. So I got in the habit of having to do my own laundry to like wash my underwear. Can we call right? Jeannie up about this? Yeah, no, it's, this is for real. And uh, is that, she but would is that come in-, in and like dig through my underwear drawer and steal like my cute undies. This, I'm not joking. Ladies, can can I get some ladies to write in and let us know and if this is a common thing? Vic, no, write in. No, this is not a common thing. This is absolutely bizarre. And it's it was violation mortifying. violation of your uh, privacy? And so then I started hiding them elsewhere besides my underwear <laughs> you drawer. You your underwear? Obviously, yeah. Where are you hiding your underwear? In, in my like DVD curtains. Cases? In my curtains. <laughs> I was, you know, like curtains kind of go like this at the top along the railing. R- ruffle, little ruffle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You would like tuck them into the ruffles? Into the fold. Uh-huh. And wh- I think my sister was in there one day and they were like taking, they were moving something it, around my curtains or blinds or something. They were fixing something up in my room and a wad of underwear fell down. And like hit my sister. Clean, and she I hope. saw what they were. Yeah, of course. And she grabbed them and she hit them for me. That's a that's a oh, nice ass sister who protected my would underwear. She, would stash. she remember this? Probably. You should call her up right now. Yeah, call her up. See you if don't she think remembers. She's busy? Do you think she had her underwear stolen? Probably. I, my sister got off so much easier than I did. Ask her I, if she ever had her underwear stolen. Give her a phone call. Call call Chelsea. You want me to hook I you up to the Bluetooth? Her? Hold on. Let me see if she's available. All right, text her. I'll hook you up to the Bluetooth right here. I think we should have hooked you up beforehand, but um, we'll get we'll get Chelsea on the phone and see if she's getting her underwear stolen. I don't know. I've never had my undies stolen. 
But then again, I probably haven't bought new underwear since that age. <laughs> <Just wait. laughs> yeah, you still have the same whole. Boy, I underwear. bought this. I, I put this underwear on the other day. It's boxer briefs, but like they're very spandexy boxer briefs. I, I pulled them up. There's a hole where the asshole is. There's a taint hole. I'm talking about, this is a, about a three inch diameter hole. So I put the undies on. Then I forget about the hole. I go to use the bathroom. This is when we went to go see Celeste the other night. I go to use the bathroom and my balls are stuck under, on the on the wrong side of the hole. So I, in order to, this is way too personal, but in order to get my uh, my my dick out to pee, I it couldn't I couldn't get my dick out because the balls were sort of like uh, being um, uh, choked onto the other side of the the boxer hole. This is probably too much for new people that are listening, so I'm sorry <laughs> about this. But anyway, uh, I I officially threw those underwears out after I wore them, but I didn't throw them out before I put, I, I noticed a hole before I put them on. Just give her a call. Why are you texting her? I'm seeing if she's writing me back. Well, you got to put people on the spot. Hook your Bluetooth up to this. Oh, the dead air here is really fantastic, Tasha. I can't. You can edit it. No, oh boy, it's Patriots football tonight. You think I'm going to edit this? All right. Well, then I'm just going to move on. So Tasha's trying to figure out how 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 much younger is she? Three years younger than I am. She doesn't even have an iPhone. No, she doesn't have an iPhone. I just noticed the green text messaging. She doesn't have an iPhone. You don't have underwear growing up. You guys got real. Well, I'll tell you what. Your underwear has thrown me for a loop. I remember probably four years ago driving for Uber, and I had shorts on just like I'm wearing now, and there was a static cling or something. And it tur- and I didn't know this, but it turns out after like several hours of driving passengers, I had one of your thongs stuck to the butt of like the side of my shorts. On the inside or the outside? On the outside. You were walking around with my underwear stuck to your shorts? I wasn't walking. I was driving around. <laughs> I was picking up Uber passengers. The five-star rating. I also You're had... You're helping them put their luggage into the back when they go to the airport with a thong stuck yeah, to the side of your... Yeah, absolutely. Just plastered to the side. Not like hanging off, like sealed on. I, um, I had one time someone left panties in the back of my car. On purpose? Driving Uber could get you in big trouble. No, I don't think it was on purpose. How wh- how would someone's underwear just randomly end up in the Probably car? the same way. Uh, maybe it was your underwear that, who knows? Who knows? But underwear can fall off in, in bad places. I've had so many. I never ta- I never really like to talk about it because uh, driving for Uber and Lyft was su- such a lame like gig. But I had so many times where like you'd catch someone finger banging in the back or something. And it's like, that's my vehicle. But I also didn't stop them. You know, I've driven strippers Did and sex workers. Did you ever fool around in the back of a cab in New York? I don't want to talk about this with you. Why? Who hasn't? Like, were you? do you feel guilty about what you put a poor cab driver through? Not really because back of a car? cab drivers aren't the lowest. I don't want to shame cab drivers. They're on the phone. They're talking to somebody. Like, what kind of minutes do they have? Yeah, they're giving a play-by-play they're of like, your <laughs> sexual exploits in the backseat. Let's just move on here. Yeah, you know, I wasn't I wasn't one to take a, to take a cab home unless I knew it was, like, um, for good, pleasurable reasons. So like, like if I was you going, met somebody at a bar, you know this is a sure thing. If I was then going, you're taking a cab home. Yeah, if I was, yeah, I'm not going home. I don't think I once in my lifetime took a cab alone home. <laughs> I'm riding the subway. Shame. Like I, I know it could be like a two-hour subway ride home, but uh, or a forty-dollar cab ride. Oh, pff, easy. I think a normal cab ride, because I lived uptown, would be at least $60, $70. What? Yeah. I could get home for 40 bucks. So, so, I mean, in most cases, even if you have a girl in the bag, you're making a ride the one train up with your, we're going local, bitch. Um, 
I don't know. Anyway, um, you gonna? Did you turn it on? Do you even know if she's gonna text you back? Boy, do I have to produce this over here? Did you get? She said, the, "Wait, what? Hold the, on, let's call uh, her." Yeah, call her up. Hit, the, but turn on your Bluetooth here. You got All this right. nice. I've got a Bluetooth on. All so right, what well, am I supposed to do? Hit the thing. Hit Roadcaster Pro. We got the Roadcaster Pro set up here, and we're trying to uh, get Chelsea on the phone. It's looking for it. It's looking for it. Oh, maybe I don't know if it's gonna. Miscellaneous. Nope. Roadcaster Pro. Master loser. That's not it. It's a Bluetooth. Yeah. Let's see. Pair device. Oh, unpair. Sorry, I had to unpair it from my phone. Okay, now you should be able to connect to it. You should be able to see it right there. It hasn't popped up yet. But It'll okay. pop up. Oh, here it goes. Now it's going to pop up. Wow, guys, I'm, I'm learning this new Roadcaster system here. Pro. There Big we shout go. out to all the Patreon members Chelsea. who have subscribed to um, the Patreon and helped us afford this nice, shiny new gear. All right, tell, tell me when you got her on the phone, and I'll, uh, I'll turn her on here. Well, it's uh, I don't want to be ringing through there, probably. Here it is. All right, we got Chelsea... Courtney, Tasha's younger sister, on the phone here from Kentucky. She's probably doing something exciting. We're sitting here. Hi, please reach Kelsey Courtney. What the I'm fuck? I thought did she? Number and a brief she did message. text me back. I'll get back. But she's probably right. doing something. Well, everyone can go call her up themselves. Anyway, that was a failed uh, mission there. So. Uh, yeah, so we got all these new YouTuber um, YouTube people that uh, found me from a video. So we could talk about the video if you want, sure. or the whole or the whole the whole the whole craziness the that happened in, in Cassie general. Stuff? Yeah, I mean, I'll I want to highlight it very very quickly of what happened. So Colton was the Bachelor on the show, The Bachelor, and he um, had his final three, which you get to basically take to your fantasy suite, and it's. Pretty much like you fuck if you want. You get a night. You get a night. Together. A night with no cameras. With basically. no cameras, they show the cam. They show the camera closing the door and everything. Once like it's a whole thing. It's like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like yeah, their first night alone. And some people bang and some people don't. Some people like you know whatever. So anyway, he knew he wanted Cassie. She was top three. Cassie knew she didn't want to go into that. Who were the other girls? I don't even remember at this point. Who cares at this point? Who knows? How did the show even end? I don't remember. Like, they didn't get engaged, right? So what happened is she bounces. She she dumps him. She's like, I got to go home. She's like, I got to go. Before the fantasy suites, yeah. right? And Colton's a virgin. I'm not shaming him, but these are the facts that are pretty important to what's all going to go down. He was a um, retired uh, professional football player. He played on the practice squad, which I don't give him any shit for that. Like, that's very hard to do to be like... To get to that level, he had a charity and um, overall seen as a nice guy, Christian, virgin, this and that. Um, so he doesn't want anyone else. He wants Cassie. That's his prize. He has to have her. So he basically quits the show. And, you know, there's always cameras rolling. There's always people. There's They're always mic'd up. There's people running around. And so there's a couple cameras following him. But he goes rogue. He goes back to his room, grabs, like, his wallet and his passport, and he just leaves. And he's walking. And Because they're, you know, by this point, they're in, like, Spain or they're in some random country in the middle of nowhere at some, like, estate. So he's like, I'm just leaving. And Chris Harrison's following him from, like, probably 50 yards this away. This is when he jumped the fence? Yeah. Okay. So Colton just goes and he jumps like an eight-foot fence, this big white wall or whatever it was, big gated community fence. And then Chris Harrison looks at him and he goes, he jumped the fucking fence. <laughs> and it just became a whole thing. Colton just ran away. He had nowhere to go. He didn't have a plane ticket. He didn't have anyone to drive And they anywhere. really were in the country. Like yeah. they were in the middle of whatever country they were in. They were the only place around. He runs away. 
no one can find them. I mean, they had production assistants, and we know a couple of these people. No one talk. Everyone's got an NDA, which is so annoying. No one talks about this type of shit. But I know a couple guys that work as producers on the show, and who knows what happened? They couldn't find them. I mean, they were like, you know, code red. This is like Truman Show shit. When you know, do you ever see the Truman Show? Yeah. Jim Carrey's like sailing away. This is like big deal, Truman Show, and they can't find Colton. All the cameras are on, and I can't even imagine what was going on behind the scenes like this is what we saw on camera there must have been um assistant directors you know in the in this did this really go on that long i thought they found them pretty quickly i think it was hours no i thought it was like 15 no i mean they were like driving around they had to like they they i mean he got far away this dude's an athlete he he's elusive (laughs) this guy broke the defense so he's out of there and then he finally just i mean i don't know exactly how it ends but basically he was able to whether it's at the end of the show or whenever he was able to convince Cassie that they should still keep dating. So they gave it a shot. So they started dating. Yeah. I think she, what was it exactly about him that was turning her off so much? Do you think it was just like his over eagerness? Because um, he was, he was acting a little bit controlling, right? I'm trying to think back to the show, but I know that like she was feeling a lot of, um, like hesitation towards him. And I think all, I think when they met the parents, which normally happens with four, right? I think the parents really like planted a seed in her head, her own parents when they met him, like, is this really what you want to yeah, do? I mean, you have so much potential. You have so much ahead of you in life. You really, this is the guy like you could have anybody. I think you could dodge a couple of red flags, but there turned out to be a lot. And you know, because she said, she, she knew she didn't want to get married to him because this is what happens is by the end of the show, someone gets engaged. Now, in recent years, there's been a lot of like engaged people go back like Peter Weber got engaged. And after three months, he broke it up with Hannah Ann. And then he ended up with a contestant that didn't even make the top five. I mean, it's topsy turvy. It really is a lot of bullshit going on. And what's about to happen? And I think probably in his particular situation, I don't want to lump a lot of virgin Christians into a category. Lump away. But uh you know, a lot of very devout Christians get married young because they want to wait to have sex until they're married. And so that just means get married as fast as you can because we want to bang, right? So I think she wasn't, I think she knew she wasn't ready for that level of commitment. She knew she didn't want to get engaged right away. And I think, I don't know, I mean... I don't know if he ended up fooling around with anyone in the fantasy suite. Yeah, like did he? A, no, they ended up they not got, having fantasy suite. I don't think suites. they got to fantasy suite. Because and I'm not he saying the guy, I'm not saying you should go bang around, but it is a I mean they 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 put you in a nice place. They want you to get get loose and have fun. I mean, you know, that's part part of the whole experience the whole experiment for the bachelors completely messed up. And the contestants in recent years have been getting younger and younger. So she was 22, he was 25. I mean, they were young. They were young. And uh, yeah, it's you, sh- you You should be able to go on a reality show optimistic that you might find love. But if you don't see it, get off. And a lot of people stick around just because, you know, the fame and fortune, which is funny that people said she wanted fame and she was ready to just bounce. She was ready to bounce. She was like, I don't think so. This isn't for me. And, um, and all that. So anyway, they ended up dating. And there were a lot of red flags. Um, he's got red flags from past relationships. Allie Raisman or Reisman, is that her name? Yeah, I'm not the, sure. I think um, it's Raisman. Allie Raisman, the Olympic gymnast. gymnast, wrote in her autobiography. 
that like she flew out to see him when they were dating. This is allegedly because she didn't use his name, but it's like everyone did the math. It, he was a professional football player. She 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 flew out to see him, uh, and he like was ignoring her and on his phone the whole time at dinner, trying to see what everyone was saying about him after the game. Like things that are just very self centered and narcissistic, especially if someone went out to fly. You know, like if I if we did it, we're old hags. If I was like, hey, honey, on tonight's dinner, I need to Google what people are saying about me. It'd be a little bit it's less. It's like you checking your YouTube stats every five minutes. Like, I'm just used to it at this point. Yeah, you know, that's what gives me uh, boners uh, these days is YouTube stats. Go check it out. Uh, but anyway, so I'm trying to stay focused with this with this chat so it makes any sense to the listeners. So anyway, what happened this year with them is that they were a year and a half, two years into their relationship. They broke up. But as they were breaking up, uh, Colton got COVID. Now... I'm not saying he's lying about the COVID, but now I'm wondering if he actually got it, which would be a crazy accusation to even make. But what I'm about to say would give me reason to wonder. So he broke up you with her. that's true? I don't know. I don't know. That's crazy. Hold on, hold on. But he did do a whole like press circuit. He was one of the first celebrities to get COVID, right? Yeah. So as crazy as that, let, let, let me prove my my uh, my point here. So they break up, but I'm he sure has he, he has to it. stay with Cassie's family in Huntington Beach because his family's in Colorado. So they nurse him back to health, and after that, she officially like for good breaks up with him. They go their separate ways. Now they tried to stay friends. And a lot of his face, a lot of his like Instagram photos are like, you know, who knows what's in store for us, but like, well, Loie, you know, some, my lover, you know, weird stuff. Like she must've had some good pussy for him. Tasha Murray. I'm saying this guy is no, spun but out. If she was his first yeah. And there's just a lot that goes along with that. Yeah, you uh, Your first kind of screws you up forever. You can dump a lot of oxytocin uh, as as it were or dump a lot of other things too. Uh he can, he's a tight end. Uh was one. Um and uh got pegged. So yeah, there's a lot that can happen. And he, there's a lot of toxic love that happened. TMZ reported last week that it was revealed Cassie filed for a restraining order in Los Angeles or LA County, wherever, against Colton because she had evidence that he planted a tracker underneath the trunk the trunk of her car and had photos of the tracker. And, apparent, and allegedly he had admitted to planting the tracker. And the crazier part, crazier than a tracker to me, is that he also created a fake phone number and, ha and harassed Cassie and harassed himself, was sending Cassie like and himself fake stalker, right? 3 a.m. text messages being like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, you're at home with your mom? Mm. Wow, real grown up, Cassie. You know, saying shit like that. And then he was also texting himself from the fake number saying things like, "Like, uh, oh, you're a loser. Her family never loved you. They they, they never they thought you were a loser. To and this try and, and like deflect any suspicion. To give a reason to bond with her about it all. To give a lifeline to talk. This is, this is where it gets next level because we've all been in a relationship where we've cried and looked stupid and been codependent and we've all been fucked up and you know like i said the oxytocin you're bonded to somebody you know you had you had a couple uh good good romps in bed and the next thing you know you're you know you're uh, trying to you know uh, it's shakespeare in love there's a whole you're trying to kill yourself for the other person codependency 101 toxic relationships 101 but uh, because of all that now i go oh so right when they were breaking up he gets covid huh interesting now again 
I, I he they owe me nothing. They don't owe me a positive test. He's out there licking the sidewalk, he licking everybody's mailbox, <laughs> licking doorknobs yeah. everywhere he goes. He's, just, he's uh, <laughs> pretending to be a uh, uh, what's it called a um uh, not what's the the people that go door to door that don't have birth birthdays. Ortho, well, not orthodox. What are they? <laughs> um, what are they called? Uh, Jehovah's, Latter-day Saint, Jehovah's Witness. Saints, yeah, LDS. Yeah. So he's a Jehovah. He's a Jehovah's Witness, just trying to shake people's hands. He's going to, uh, you know. Uh, anyway, I don't know. So I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I'm sure he got it. I'm sure he got it. But but yeah, it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder that he's got so many issues. So anyway, so that's so I so I made a video about the initial uh, restraining order, the initial restraining order. And I can't tell you, and this is, I guess the positive of this whole situation is how many people wrote to me that were victims of domestic violence and that were stalked and that had to get restraining orders. And, and a lot of people said, well, maybe Cassie's lying about a restraining order. Well, if you lie in the court, it's called perjury. And that's an offense that you can serve time for. I mean, that's you're not allowed to do that. So, And she had all this evidence, but people still didn't want to believe it. And, you know, we just had Aiden Park on the uh, podcast last week talking about how when people believe a certain thing, your brain will delete evidence that proves it otherwise. There's so many cases where Colton was the poster boy for virginity and Christianity and charity. And people go, oh, he was such a good guy. He couldn't believe he could do this. And it's like, well, you can be a good guy. OJ Simpson, and people, some people hated that I, that I made this comparison. OJ Simpson was a good guy. He was the juice. He was uh, Los Angeles' own. He lived in Brentwood. He was the, um, you know, the famous uh, quarter, uh, the famous running back for the USC Trojans, right? And then he played professional. He was uh, in movies, right? He was the man. Murdered two people. You can be psychotic and you can have CTE. And that's another thing. And, and you can't die, you can't uh, test for CTE, which is a brain injury that, that causes people to do crazy things. You've got, you've got um, wrestlers like Chris Benoit that murdered his whole family and committed suicide. And afterwards they found out his CTE was just, like his brain was just a black fucking mess. You know what I mean? Constant head trauma. Now, I'm not saying Colton suffers from constant head trauma. I'm not a psychologist. I don't know anything about it. But it's crazy when you see something that has gone too far, like OJ. Gone too far. Toxic love. Wouldn't let her go anywhere. Would, you know, just blackout rage. Rather kill someone. Messy, you know, uh, versus versus take care of the underlying issues as to why they have such pain. So it was crazy. It was, I mean, it really was crazy to, to get hundreds of messages from people. And for everyone that wrote on YouTube, I got two private ones. I got private messages all day. I have so many friend requests from people that are that, that were like, hey, I had to get a restraining order. So I, I know all, and I didn't know anything about restraining orders. My mom was married to my dad, who was a jealous kind of like toxic person. She never had to get a restraining order against him, but he was a jealous type, PTSD. Yeah, but your mom peaced out. Peaced she straight out. up left and moved states away and states took away. her kids with her. Yeah. So she, so she, she took very drastic proactive measures to get away from that controlling side. So it's almost like in the, there, there must have been, you know, a time throughout the, the evolution of humans where being that controlling type kept the family together, but at what cost? 
So at what cost does this affect women who I aren't would being believed? Not say that there's an evolutionary. No, but I mean everything's got jealousy. Ev- but well, but ev- well, then why would it jealousy exist? Like everything exists as a bonding mechanism. I'm not saying it's good. Codependency exists to like keep people together, keep them fucking. You know what I mean? I think uh, what's most interesting to me about it is that I mean, like you said, your inbox was full of hundreds of messes- messages of of women with personal stories similar to that story, you know, being on the receiving end of some sort of like, uh, intimate partner violence or stalking behavior, uh, that frightened them. That was traumatic. Right. But we don't know any, like no guy knows guy friends that have done that to girls. That's what what is so interesting about it is like all of this stuff is happening in the dark, in the shadows. It's such a shameful thing that like you don't know. Again, to bring back an, an Uber story, I late at night, what you would make better money working late at night. So on like a Saturday night, I'd be working till four. And I remember driving this guy coked out of his mind and he just wanted to drive laps around his ex-girlfriend's neighborhood. Like that's really and fucked up. It's so fucked up. Yeah, it didn't tip either. Uh, it's very fucked up. It's... um. It's interesting because like you said, it's, it, it lurks in the dark and I've, we've all had crazy thoughts. We've all like walked by our ex's, uh, you know, place of work or, you know, looked in a window when yeah, we're, absolutely. there's just like, Jealousy, where's the crossing envy, the line? Regret, anger. Like, you know, these are normal emotions to feel when you're going through something traumatic, like a breakup. It's understandable and it feels super shameful. Right. But We've got therapists for a reason. Yeah. Like you really should be talking to somebody about your feelings. And I can understand how like it feels burdensome to be like moping to your friends or moping to your family when you're going through something hard because you don't want to like be this weight. You don't want to be the sad person that nobody Man, wants I was to be the around. Opposite. I'd call my mom. I'd call my sister. I almost talked about it too much. Like there's a happy medium. You can over obsess by talking about it and then you can over obsess by like thinking about it. And I think talking it out, burning off that energy and then moving on is something that was, would be more, would be healthier. But, you know, when you're on Amazon Prime... But you don't have any... If you're not talking to somebody, you don't have anyone to bounce your, like, thoughts off of to get a read on whether they are sane thoughts or not, right? We all have had very ugly thoughts. I know I've thought about slashing the tires of my exes. Like, you know, very ugly thoughts. But, you know, if you tell that to your girlfriend, she's either going to, A, encourage you if he really deserves it, or, B, tell you... You got to get it together, honey. So you Let's could distract ourselves. Let's go out. If we broke up and you vandalized my car, I wouldn't notice. It's so beat up. <laughs> <laughs> you like slash my tire. Be like, oh, man, I must have ran, ran over, over a nail. <laughs> ran over a nail in this shit neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to vandalize a car in Koreatown. <laughs> it's like, you know, you scuff up my hood. I'm like, I need to shine that, you know, soot off. Um, but it's it's like if, if we had Colton sitting down right here and we're talking to him, I could find a way to empathize with him. I could find a way to understand his point. Yeah, oh, we all know she, that loved breakups so are much. traumatic. We all know it's hard to let go. We've all been in that situation. And the bitterness that happens, like he like he had said in text messages to her, like, I loved you so much you could never love me back that much. And there's a, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but there's a resentfulness that happens when you love someone um, conditionally. That's a conditional love. Well, but, it, you know, here's the important part that we need to say is that, like, there is a line 
that was crossed. There are many lines that were crossed, right? Yeah. And like, yeah, we all know what it's like to be torn up about a relationship that has ended. But there's no excuse for standing outside her house at 2.30 in the morning intimidating her. There's no excuse for coming up with this elaborate ruse where they both have a stalker and he's harassing her over the phone on text messages every day. There's no, I mean, a tracker on her car. I, I was going to buy a tracker. What? I was looking into tracking devices as we, as any loyal listener knows, because I had my car battery stolen twice. So my idea was to buy a tracker and, and tape it to my new car battery. So if it gets stolen again, I could like see where it goes, but trackers are expensive. I, even that I was like, ah, trackers like a hundred bucks. And then a tracker you have to, you know, it, it, it's got a ping to it. So it has to be charged. So it can only last for so long, you know, depending on what kind of tracker you got. But this thing looked like there's photos of it. It looked like a, I mean, it, this looked like out of a James Bond movie type of tracker, just duct taped to the bottom of her car. And like, as you had mentioned, I didn't even mention it on this podcast, but as you had mentioned her brother, caught Colton at 2.30 in the morning in the alley behind her parents' house. These aren't um, serendipitous moments where you're just walking around. I mean, no, he was on call, ready to go. And he's purposefully inflicting trauma upon her. And I like to look at people. Because he's hurting, he has decided that she should hurt too. Now, I've done, I've done none, not, you know, in the three YouTube videos I've made about this, done nothing but support Cassie and her decision to get a restraining order and this and that. But if you take away Colton as a six foot five man who's jacked out of his mind, take away that and you look at the toddler or the five or six year old Colton, you can see, you can see that, you know, he probably sees himself as this boy who's been wronged versus this man who's intimidating. So like you, but, but don't get me wrong. Most people that aren't psychopaths that are, that, that kill or commit crazy crimes do believe that they're in the right. You know, there's people aren't just evil living in their evil layers. He no, thought whether that she was texting with an ex and, and was hell bent on proving himself right versus moving on. Now that can be heightened for two reasons, social media and the bachelor franchise, the bachelor franchise Everyone knows everyone's business. You want to be the winner in, in yeah, morally speaking. I'm sure it's hard to be on the receiving end of like a tabloid kind of mania because right. there really are the, the fans of Bachelor and Bachelorette are very loyal, are very intense. They've got groups on Reddit and whatever else. Like they're very intense. We see them on the show every t you know, they crash bachelor watching parties. Like there's a big fan base to bachelor. So there's I'm sure being on the receiving end of that sort of attention can be disconcerting, can be a little unnerving. Right. And it's, yeah. So you, you, you're basically given the ability to social media track somebody and he took it to that next level. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. But like m most normal people, like us regular folks, not bachelor celebrities, when we go through a breakup that's painful, we block the other person. Right. You know, isn't that in? I, I feel like we can kind of all agree that that's like a that's a well known best practice that you the know, majority of people do in this modern day and age when they go through a breakup. I didn't know too much about this, but this is probably what my next video is going to be is, is going over the rules of no contact. Now there are, they, they call it, and that's just what it's called. No contact. There's like defined rules you're supposed to go by where you don't talk to them for 90 days and there must be something. And I'm sure there's different lengths, but there must be something to 
to disconnecting because it's almost like if you wanted to, you know, get sober, you don't get sober by just having a couple beers. You got to go no alcohol. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't lose my turkey. belly by just going from five brownies to four. I gotta, I gotta try to cut it off. And the thing is, it's because there's an addiction there. And once you, once you let yourself slip a little bit, who knows what's next? So, well, yeah, it's like going down the rabbit hole. You can't, if you're going through a breakup with someone and you're trying to move on, you're going to open your Instagram for a distraction of looking at travel bloggers or whatever, and their photo is going to pop up and it's going to spiral you. It's oh, the algorithm, spiral the you algorithm knows like if you're, if you're Colton and Cassie, even if you block each other, you've got about a hundred mutual friends. They're all verified and like famous within their communities. And, and it's, it's horrible, but this situation was bad already. Now she files a temporary restraining order, TR, I read the whole thing. It's pretty bananas. She says I need. She needs a hundred yards. He can't be within a hundred yards of her uh, work, family, her apartment. Pretty much anywhere she is, he can't be near there. And it's crazy because it's a small community. They they all go to the same events where they you know they do they they host parties. I mean they're influencers. They that's that's where they make their money. And I don't blame but them for that. Is he gonna be like persona non grata to the Bachelor franchise now? I mean they they can't invite him to any events. You know if she has a restraining order on him and he can't. And she's I mean, gonna be there. He can't come. But would they want him there anyway? At this point, no. No, right. He, I mean, I don't know. I know himself. they do this twisted shit where they love the drama and they're always inciting these sort of like crazy moments. So they can say craziest season ever. You won't believe, you know, they're always like trying to stir up viewership it's owned, by doing it's things by that are shocking. Disney owns ABC, right? So this but is But they Disney. couldn't possibly. Anyone who's committed any, I mean, the, everyone, they're so highly vetted. You know, one one contestant a few years ago had uh, an assault charge that, that kind of fell under the radar somehow and that was a big deal. He got kicked off as soon as they figured it out. But they they vet these people. They vet them for everything from STDs to um, any, no priors. No, I mean, nothing. Of course, any domestic, any stalking, none of that. If you have that, I mean, they they they're they're not in the they're in the business of creating some drama where you throw a drink in each other's face, but they're not trying to have like issues. I mean, you well, had people had accusing others of dude, rape. You know, they've had a few like really like off their rocker sort of roid rage dudes. Yeah, you on got the Chad show. Chad Johnson and who Luke who was kind of a nut Luke too. P he was, was a, really a, manipulative and. Yeah. To Hannah, and to they, Hannah, and they say, "I'll pray for you." I, you know, you know, they, you know, just like Luke, Luke, and uh, Colton. Also, sorry for the people that don't understand these names, but the overall through message is that people. They're still young, right? They're young people. Like we're like in, when you're in your twenties. I mean, God knows, I'm glad I didn't have. You cameras know, on you 24 because maybe I would have heightened to a higher level of jealousy or whatever if my ego was being checked by a nation of people you know what I mean so they, they've got they've got that where they not only are they breaking up but they've got like like who done it you know he he wrote a book and she's asking him not to be a part of the book and it's like at what point does your loyalty stop lying with each other so he was treating her like uh they were still together and she's like, I never, I never misled you. We're just not together anymore. I'll text whoever the hell I want. Anyway, so the temporary restraining order lasts until the date in October, the court date. Now she's going to have to show up to the court date and prove her case. 
and he's going to be in the same room. And this is where it gets kind of crazy yeah, because women here. have to, or any, any victim has to confront the, their, you know, the situation, their abuser yeah. in person. And they, and they, and I even read all these tips they say to have where, where you should say it in three minutes or less, write it all down because I'm sure they're used to people just choking up this fight or flight moment. And while it doesn't sound. And be there surrounded by your support system. Somebody that you considered a lover or someone that you were very close with. It doesn't mean they didn't cross the line. And so anyway, I, I mean, the amount of messages I got from people that say that, oh, you know, I had, I got a restraining order against my ex. And then after the temporary restraining order was up, I dropped the charges because I didn't want to push it in and I couldn't reverse it. And, and it's nonstop you know, you issues. You won't believe the amount of like rhetoric that you'll get from your community too, as a woman. Like if you, let's just put a, a hypothetical, right? Somebody, you, you have a breakup that goes sour. You went to high school with this person, right? So you share a lot of friends in common. Uh, you share adults in common. Their parents are calling your parents saying, please don't press charges. Please don't follow. Th this is going to destroy his life. You get a lot of that. Uh, what was that? The, the, the Brock rapist. Turner was the yes. rapist. The judge Brock says we Turner. don't want to We don't want to ruin life. his life, right? It was just a mistake. He's learned his lesson. Yeah, we don't. And and that guilt gets heaped on women. And it's, it's almost like gaslighting a little bit. It's like an invalidation of like all of the trauma that these women have gone through that then you know, well-meaning people, these people, you know, none of these people are enemies, but even your own family might be like, well, you know, do you really want to put yourself through that? His family's going to be like, please don't ruin his life. He's got so much potential, so much ahead of him. You're, you're worried about the judgment of your friends. Half of them don't believe you because they can't imagine that their friend would behave this way, uh, in the dark, you yeah. know? And, and so a lot of women don't show up for court. And they don't get permanent restraining orders. And when you don't show up, uh, court cases dropped, and and that's it. And you know that, that's kind of like the well, if you didn't show up, then you didn't prove your case, and it's innocent until proven guilty. And Colton will have the right to to defend himself. Now, uh, it's I, I haven't seen the text messages where he confesses, but apparently he confessed to all these charges anyway. So I don't think her family's pretty well off. I don't think she's looking for any any anything monetary, even though she probably should get you know therapy and, and a lot of things. I mean, they both should get therapy, but you know, it's a, it's a good, it's just a good example where I don't ever want to sound like a white knight. I have no stake in the, in the game, but I much rather make videos and content where I'm shitting on the bachelor and I'm making fun of these things, but then you get to see it. Maybe it's just like me getting older and you get to see it and you go, I was a, I was like a hustler trying to date people. And I wouldn't, it, you know, I've been dumped before and I've tried to win my way back, but I never did that shit. Yeah. You know, you try to win yourself back with words and, and logic and a coffee date. And maybe you're, maybe I'll end up in, in their neck of the woods um, and text them, say, oh, I'm in the neighborhood, let's get coffee. But I'm not in their alleyway. You know, you can create situations where you try to win somebody over, but at some point you get the hint and you go, I guess I got to move on. I, I've, I've had a few times in relationships where um, all I wanted was answers and, and I finally got them and they weren't the ones I wanted, but like, you got to use your like logic and understand, wow, they're telling me they don't like me. Let's instead prove them wrong. Let's take that as it. They're not meant for me. 
they don't think I'm good enough or whatever, whatever yeah, motivation. Yeah, but that's like a very logical and rational thought. And obviously he had moved into the realm of irrational. You know, he was kind of all wrapped up in toxicity at this point. Sometimes it's hard to like see the light when you're just so far gone. I mean, obviously he had problems and it's just a shame that he didn't put himself in therapy. If he were a close friend or a younger brother, I would, I would have flown myself to him immediately in that sort of like, you know, like in, in AA, when someone's like relapsing or having like a bender or a big issue, they'll like get a group of people to go to their house, you know, and just like sit in with them and like get, get the, get their head in, in the right place so that they can begin to improve. And to think of someone whose toxic love takes them to sending erroneous text messages at 3 a.m. to think of that it's almost like um it's interesting that he felt like he didn't have uh well I mean I don't know that this is how he felt but I can imagine that like where's his support system you know I wonder if he really just felt like alone out there and she has her tight-knit family and that's and what he was saying a is community of of girls that were on bachelor and bachelorette that are, you know, they're all very tight knit. They hang out to, with each other all the time. I don't know. He's in Los Angeles. Is he likable in the bachelor community? Like do enough. the other dudes like him? Yeah, he was the bachelor. So just for clout reasons alone, he's got like, I mean, it sounds shallow to say, but he's got, he had plenty of reason. But if all of the other bachelors were successful no, on but, their no, time, but he was at, like, he was like chosen bachelor amongst his group of guys. So all those guys were at a lower rung to make this like the cool kid thing. He was the jock, the star, the, the I just the wonder, guy. like, why doesn't he have friends that like helped him through this? I mean, I guess they could have very well just not known that any of this stuff was going on, but it's just, you know, you want, this is what we talk about when we talk about toxic masculinity, right? The idea that like, you have to just be tough, that you have to go it alone, that you can't show emotion, that you can't talk about your emotions, that you can't like just accept when you're in a moment of weakness, you know, like the, these are the things that society has kind of told us aren't masculine, which is just not true. They're emotions that are applicable to all humans, right? And they're natural for all humans. So there's nothing feminine or demasculating. What's the word? Emasculating. Uh, emasculating yeah. sure. about t talking through your feelings, about reaching out when you need support. You know, like yeah. I mean, I I don't know. Like I always, everyone's different. Everyone has their own battles. But for me, talking things out with someone was never the issue. I always knew I had to get shit off my chest. I would talk to the bus driver, you know, I, I, you, you know me, yeah, I'll but talk you're to anybody. A, you're no, but a talker. But that's so funny is like, I think I mentioned this before when Channing was, he was uh, complaining to me about something and I was like, Channing, just knowing, just knowing you, you probably haven't communicated this well to that person because you're not communicating it well to me. And you know, like it, when, when you've got an issue, you need to, you need to work real hard, pen on paper to figure out the best way to communicate your issue. Because if you don't know how to say what your problem is to your friends, how the fuck are you supposed to solve it yourself? And sometimes you don't want your friends to solve your problem. You just want them to listen. I heard the coolest thing on, I think Whitney Cummings was talking about it. Cause the thing I love about Whitney Cummings is that she's always talking about like shit she's learning in therapy. Like she's got a lot of family issues, codependency. And she was saying that it's good. If a friend calls you with a problem, the first thing you should say is, do you want me to listen uh, do you to want a you? Solution or, or do you want an ear? Yeah. Yeah. 
And that's important because in our relationship, like probably most relationships, I'll immediately go to a solution and you're like, I'm just fucking telling you you're the problem. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, but I got a plan for it. <laughs> you know, guys like to fix things. So sometimes it's like, it's almost like, you know, I, I've complained to you about some production issues that I've had and there isn't much to do to solve them. I'm just burning this off and then knowing when it's burnt off versus when you're just continuously popping this endless zit. <laughs> like, yeah, are you done like, with it or not? Well, don't ruminate over something that's like, you know, if you can't do anything about it, then you kind of just have to accept that this is what it is right now in this moment. So I just got to go with the flow, move on until there's a solution in sight. Right. So what, what have you learned the most about your relationship that was toxic? Uh, sorry. What do you mean? Like, like you, your relationship where you, you didn't want that guy in your life anymore and he wasn't taking no for an answer. What do you mean? What did I, what did you learn about the best ways to overcome that? Cause it's, it, you uh, know. well, it just required a, a lot of strength, a lot of bravery. It required me to reach out and ask for help, which is not something I've ever been comfortable help with from who my family. Uh, I was just always very independent, even from the time I was a young kid. I never really felt like I needed my parents' help. Um, and so I didn't ask them for help with a lot. And uh, I think that led to some like contention in my relationship with my parents uh, from a young age, just feeling like I had everything under control and I wanted freedom and I wanted to just like uh, reach out on my own. But um yeah, in this particular instance in high school, you know, I was, I mean, in college, I was, I was done with this guy. He was a barnacle on my ship of progress. Hey, there he is, was folks. just really, um, not healthy for me. And when do you say it was toxic love that he had? Was it like an obsession? Did he have a lot of free time on his hands? Had to a think ton about of free time on his hands. Because that's gotta be a lot of it is too he much was, free time. Yeah. I mean, it just went from being like a normal high school relationship to then we both because we're in the same year but at different schools went off to college I went to University of Cincinnati he went to University of Kentucky which is in Lexington so about two hours apart from each other and uh you know we were hanging out a lot on the weekends I would go down there or he would come up by me but he ended up like failing all of his classes and like flunking out of school and then he was like just around at my apartment all the time and just like you know just being a loser the way just I being a, a huge loser the way I look at it is everything is a and a bad influence on me too like not only like a distraction and just yeah, it was, he was just draining me. It was emotionally draining. It didn't feel like a romantic relationship. It felt like a parental relationship, which was not something I was interested in. So and everything in the universe is law of attraction. Every One side equals the other. A equals B. So if one side is doing better than the other, the other side must pull from that one side. So yeah, if he's got too much free time, he's a loser, he's not doing well, he's going to be pulling from like... It's like gravity. Like I'm up on a ladder. Your... I'm climbing the ladder and he's down below. Like I right. can't, I don't have the strength to lift this guy up. Yeah. Like it just, it, it, it wasn't working for me. I was over it. It was toxic. Now let me ask you this, um, to relate it to Colton's story. When Colton 
got dumped, that was when a lot of his toxicity really emerged. Like a, like a, that was when the solar flare kind of kicked in because that was the first time she was withdrawing for him. So there was all this vacuous uh, love that needed to be it's filled. It's like Did a you wounded have- animal. Yeah, it's like panic. Then all of a sudden they'll pull out all the stops to get you to stay, to change your mind. And that's when it turned really toxic and really manipulative. Um So then I started dealing with like a lot of emotional manipulation. That's, I mean, I know I told you when we first started dating that I have a real issue with guys crying in front of me. Which is crazy to me because I'll cry telling you I love you. I'll cry watching Tom Brady throw a touchdown. I'll cry in a lot of circumstances. But I do understand your point that, I do understand your point that even though my tears might be genuine to me, they add a wrench to the bargaining table. Well, it, there's a difference between like um, real tears and crocodile tears. And then for what purpose are your tears? If your tears are just, you know, your emotions welling over, which is a normal thing that happens, excellent. But if your tears are like, you know, winning an Oscar, like designed to elicit the response that you want from me, then that's manipulation. That's toxic. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't want to get too much into the specifics. But How did yeah. your family help you? Well, I because had to come clean to them when he uh, showed up at my apartment with a gun, held me hostage for a few hours. I had to call uh, a suicide hotline because he was threatening to kill himself and um, the campus police. And uh, the regular police, actually. Gosh, um, I can't believe how common this must be to so many women. Yeah. This story must be, like, what seems so unique coming, hearing this, must be so common to hear. Because yeah. when you break, when you take away all the other scenarios that, that make relationships work, the final, the final manipulating tool is I will kill myself for this relationship. Yeah, I mean, it was it was frightening. It was a very traumatic. I know that, like, you know, there's. Uh, I was reading something. Um, I don't remember where. I wish I could look it up. I'm sure I saved it. Maybe we can revisit it on another episode. But um, I was reading something about how trauma actually chemically alters your brain and permanently, not just you know for the time being, but like your your body is responding in a way that's meant to keep you alive. And so you like chemical dump and, uh, like mental scar tissue, like let's avoid this in the future. Yeah. And, like PTSD. Um, you know, people, uh, victims of trauma, this is something, you know, obviously like, uh, your memory can be affected by Lyme disease. And we always joke about how bad my memory is, but my memory has been poor for a long time. Uh, and I attribute it to severe depression in high school and to this particular instance of very violent trauma, uh, because there are huge chunks of that year missing. There's a lot in general, just like missing after the fact, but, uh, that is well known to be associated with with trauma is memory loss. Um, how, how would you rate your, your, your family's response to you after coming to them? Did they step up? You know, you obviously didn't want to have to do that. Do you think they were? I think they stepped up. I think they knew I wouldn't have asked for help at all unless it was very desperate. Um, I'm sure they were worried about me. 
I don't know necessarily that they communicated with me in a way that I was able to receive. Uh, but I know that like, you know, they did their best to show me love and support. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just nice to know that you have someone there, even if they don't have all the answers because baseline, you have a home to come home to. You're not, you're not all all alone. And that's, I think the important message for anyone out there who's suffering from issues is that it takes a brass set of balls, I guess, ovaries, brass ovaries, uh, to make those phone calls to seek help. And it's something that makes you stronger. It's something that also sets an example for others. Cassie's brave for making that phone call. You're brave for telling your story. And it's something that as as humanity evolves, as we learn how to grow with the internet, these are the stories that will will save people's lives, both on the victim and the abuser. Learning what, learning, you know, like the simple disinfectant of sunlight on their darkness. Yeah, how because easily... we all have demons, but it really is a choice that an individual makes deciding like how much more are they going to tolerate in themselves, right? Yeah. How much more are they going to tolerate? And you're a fighter and you have set boundaries for what you want in life. And by doing that, you don't get walked on in those ways. And if you are, you know what the boundary is and you know it's been violated. And that's important for a woman in today's world to not. I mean, gosh, we didn't even get into Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but we could end it with her. But we'll have to do another episode on her. But But talk about someone who, you know, passed away this week, um, lived a very full, fulfilling life where she didn't take shit from people because the status at the time wasn't uh, a place of equality she fought the fights in the supreme court i read that she won five cases at the supreme court level yeah five out of six as a she lawyer brought six gender discrimination court uh cases to the supreme court and argued them and won five of those six and she was only picking the fights that that she knew could win so that the movement would keep progressing. So she was like very calculated and had a lot of foresight. Okay. She, she developed this strategy where they would bring cases where the, the plaintiff was a man. That was kind of their strategy. Right, right. And let, instead of like the plaintiff being... So a, they could they, set precedent. Exactly. They would argue discrimination on the basis of sex. We should go in. We got to go in, in more in on this because we're out Which of time now. actually... But. Well, but our listeners should know that uh, on the basis of sex, which I have seen, I don't remember it very specifically, but it was good. Someone give um, us your Showtime password. It's on Showtime. We just canceled ours. It's a <laughs> pandemic. We have to uh, cut corners. We have Ruth. to keep bread on the table. Um, but yeah, it's on Showtime if you want to watch it. And then uh, there's another one, uh, RBG. On It's a documentary. Boy, when you got three names, you're doing shit right. You know what I mean? But yeah, she, I mean, she really overcame. They talk about it in the, on the basis of sex. I had forgotten about this, but I read something and it reminded me. So her mom died like, I don't like the day before she was supposed to graduate high school or something. And then she got married. Her and her husband were both in law school. Her husband got cancer. So she was like doing his schoolwork and her schoolwork and taking care of him 
while they were in school. Like she was just a lady that was so determined. Like she never threw in the towel. She never, like she was determined to fight. And she, I mean, she literally. She'll fuck you up. And she's a small woman. Yeah. She, she was, yeah, she wasn't taking shit from no one. You, and, did uh, you ever see her? What was that on? Somebody interviewed her and she was like, the only time, free time she had that day was while she was working out. So she was like in the gym, lifting her little dumbbells. Yeah, Who was I that? I think she did that with like Jimmy Fallon or someone. Oh, okay. She did like late night. But yeah, she, um, I think she was also the first um, Supreme Court justice to marry a same sex couple or, or that, or maybe that was her last marriage that she, she even recently she married a same-sex couple. So she's she's been oh, on the right really? side of a lot of uh, a lot of as a minister. History. What do you mean? Yeah, or I think I think as a judge, she's allowed. Oh, I think okay. I think uh, that's what you and Ruth have in common. <laughs> is you both married people <laughs> out there. Uh, did you have any other facts you wanted to bring up? Because we got to bounce. Sure, yeah, let's just we uh, we let's should do a proper. Love. Let's let's find. You know what we should do is ask. We should ask uh, any anyone out there that we know that that's like well educated on her to talk to talk to us about her. Yeah. Because it's important, you know, like I said, the podcast, we we'll talk about dating, relationships, love, codependency, love languages, whatever toxic. It's all about self-improvement. And what a better way to improve ourselves to see to see the example set from people before us. I mean, it's it's one thing to be on the right side of history right now with certain movements. She was doing this shit before we were even, uh, you know, a protoplasm in my, uh, my, my dad's nuts or whatever, you know what I mean? Is that how it works? Biology? <laughs> we gotta go. No. We gotta okay. Go. Listen, let's just hit a couple bullet points. This was a cute little thing that I saw, uh, earlier today. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a leading force in securing women's rights to obtain a mortgage without a male co-signer. Open a checking account without a male co-signer. I'm going to need you to co-sign mine. <laughs> Start a business without a male co-signer. I mean, back in the day, you literally had to have either your husband or your dad or somebody like just open a fucking checking account for you. just didn't have these, these rights just didn't exist for yeah. women on the uh, legal. Get a credit card without a male co-signer. Women Obtain be shopping. a business loan without a male co-signer. Obtain a job without gender-based discrimination obtain or retain employment while pregnant like that's that was literally oh, geez. A thing. women want everything yeah, you could you could get fired from your job for getting pregnant yeah yeah we were we've talked a lot about this just the uh the um it, it ain't easy it ain't easy to try to, to have it all to to be professional but but also raise a family and and uh obtain birth control without having to have your husband's permission you know, this lady, some poor sap might be, you know, have seven kids already and her husband's wants to knock her up again. And she's like, we can't afford to feed these mouths like and I'm sister. going crazy. Right. Yeah, she, you know, a woman used to not be able to get birth control without her husband's permission. Some hands made stale shit. Uh, not be forced to provide proof of sterilization to obtain, retain employment. Pension benefits equal to male co-workers. Equal consideration to be executor, ex, ex, executors of their children's estates. You so, know, so, so simple stuff that we, we look at now as just inalienable rights that weren't there uh, before she was fighting for them. But uh, yeah, real interesting. That, that, uh, wait a second. I might be confusing something, but I think the one that she lost actually that you know you were talking about the five six supreme court cases that mm -hmm. she argued i think the one that she lost actually led to the lily ledbetter act 
Does that make sense? Would that be correct? I don't, I don't know. know. We would all. have to look it up, but, but that was a wage discrimination. Like, you know, equal pay for equal work. Well, uh, shout out uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, she was a justice from 1993 when uh, President Clinton uh, uh, appointed her up until Friday. And we'll we'll talk more about her. And I think everyone should, you know, um, uh, just yeah, uh, watch uh, on the basis of sex. And we, I think maybe tonight after the football game, we can watch the documentary. Oh, yeah. There we go. We're going to get freaky tonight. Maybe I'll get you into those granny panties. <laughs> anyway, she's Tasha Marie. Uh, what can you promote there today, Tasha? Uh, you know what I would like to promote? In honor of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, how about you make some political donations? We appreciate y'all who support us on the Patreon. Uh, but I know today I finally sucked it up and made some political donations. I have co I complained last week on my Facebook about how you can't make any freaking donations without getting ten thousand. <laughs> Emails from Act Blue, which honestly is criminal and it's just ridiculous. Maybe they just shouldn't spam our email addresses so that we can donate so to you, our political uh, are you candidates. riding with Biden? Uh, well, I donated to Amy McGrath, who is running against Mitch, Mitch McConnell, McConnell in Kentucky. I donated to another lady who was just pretty feisty on Twitter the other day. Hold on. <laughs> Sounds feisty Yeah, on she's a feminist. You need, Put we, your money. We need more progressive feminists in, in politics. Uh, so I donated to her, and then I put another donation to split between a bunch of other Democratic candidates who are trying to flip the Senate. I think it's uh, I think it's weird that we have to donate uh, in that way, and the whole system's messed up. But we do have to get out of here. So uh, uh, I think people should Angela go. Angela Mayfield. Go follow Tasha on Instagram, at Tasha Courtney. And you can see uh, the sanding that we did today as we inch our way to perfecting the podcast studio. We're sanding these benches I'm sitting on. And... Um, Boy, we got sand everywhere. I mean, you know, yeah. there's uh, the, the drapes have sand in them. Tasha's got a thong up there. It's a whole mess. I'm Dave Neal. Follow us at the.sap. And of course, if you want premium content, we appreciate you guys so much for going to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash the sap, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash T-H-E-S-A-P. And that's where I do all of my uh, solo and extra podcast. And uh, we appreciate all of your donations. That's it. We made it to the end. Bye, everybody. Bye.